of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 319. Jason Lindgren is with me and Mr. Christopher Gardner. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of ideas here, uh, primarily around health of the body. Polarity will come up, energy, subtle energy, gross energy, gender, probably touch on all of it. Uh, but as I was getting to know Chris, we both had a common endeavor uh, around bamboo. And he actually introduced a bamboo species. Uh, I was president of one of the bamboo societies that brought bamboo into this country. It was earlier, earlier people than me that actually established it in this country. Um, but at the time, uh, some of the bamboos you're, they're using to build with now weren't even in the country. And Chris and I were catching up. Um, anyhow, welcome, Jason. Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> I keep saying Chris. My, my apologies. I'll catch no, on. No worries. No his, worries. His, his name is Christopher, everybody. My bad. All right. So you got anything, Jason? No. Let's do it. All right. So welcome, Christopher. How's that? Um, where Perfect. would you like where would you like to jump in here? Where's a good starting point? Well, we originally I contacted you because one, I'm a huge fan of your show. And uh, but you had a bunch of people. well, you had two people over a few months where you were talking about polarity. And um, I have <laughs> probably about twenty-two year, twenty-three years now of professional experience in body work and what you guys were talking about with with polarity and how energy moves through physical systems. I, I had to reach out to you guys and and, uh, and uh, kind of bug you a little bit and say I, I got a lot to share share with that whole side of things, especially when it comes to to how energy moves through the body or how electricity moves through the body. Well, we've we've done a lot of work that's brought this up, and I don't think most people understand that we to get away from, as an example, the medic, you know, the the chemical based drug medicine that is currently on offer. Uh, we have to get back to these ideas, which would include cymatics, polarity, all these things. Uh, what people don't realize is everything pretty much vibrates if it exists. Well, everything does. And in that, it has a polarity. Um, and even if there is no gender in an item and you can identify the polarity, then it's a similar idea, isn't it? Uh, it's a bit like walking out to the garden to get medicines, seeing a blue flower, recognizing that's feminine, probably negative in polarity on this plane, on and on it goes. But this is what we need to get back to, isn't it, Christopher? I really believe so, because the polarity in my mind's eye, it denotes a, a direction of movement. And so almost everything in nature is, is some sort of pressure mediation, including in our body. And so I think polarity kind of gets hijacked in people's minds when they think of a battery, they think of a plus and a minus, but they don't really know that that, that is actually pointing to a direction in which something needs to flow. So this, this is like in, in my work as a polarity therapist, it, it's really, that's all I'm doing is, is I'm directing where the energy, and I should, I should be specific, the word ener by energy, I mean electricity, which direction the electricity should flow depending on what ailment the person is presenting. So I think I would point out a person who has done a great job of graphing imagery so that our minds can comprehend what you're talking about is Walter Russell, right? Um, yes. His idea absolutely. with the waves, but he quite often puts a silhouette of a man and a woman. Um, and on this plane, uh, the man will be positive and the woman negative. And by the way, that negative is not an, a, a bad attribute. It's no different than a battery. If you remove a battery's negative polarity, the battery ceases to function. And by the way, just to put a fine point on it, supposedly on the next plane above us, women have spiritually positive polarity and men negative. And so just so people can get an idea, but if you go to something like the Universal One or other Russell books, you can actually get graphs of what Christopher is laying down here. Yes, yes. And I really think Walter Russell was building on the ancient Ayurvedic way of looking at the world. I know that uh, you guys kind of prescribe to the work of or looking at the, the sky clock from a sidereal perspective. When you're actually looking at how, how the electricity wants to flow into, into a, a, a system and then flow out of a system, whether it itself is being attractive or being projective, 
you end up getting so many different variants of results from that. And so um, I've, I've been a long time, uh, I wouldn't call myself an astrologer because that's a loaded term, but let's just say Scott, sky clock watcher because my Ayurvedic teachers, my Ayurvedic massage teachers showed us charts that look very similar to what Walter Russell presented and what um, my polarity teacher, Dr. Randolph Stone showed was that there's all these variants by which things want to flow from one medium to another medium. And whether you're looking at the sky or you're looking at the body, and then there's charts that link the sky to the body, which are really brilliant. Um, it, it really starts to tell exactly where a being is. Like I look at the body as sort of the barometer of a person's consciousness in the, in a, in an ocean of consciousness. It's, um, it, it never lies. The, the body will never lie. Like if you actually get your hands on the body and know what you're actually watching from a, from an electrical perspective, it will tell us a, a very, very detailed story. You know, I find it interesting. You know, you mentioned that maybe Russell was on Ayurvedic, but the way I tend to view it now uh, is that people who find truth, uh, what they say aligns with others who have found truth. Uh, Russell claimed to have gone into enlightenment for a number of days, weeks, actually. Um, so I think that that's really what draws me to it. Now, you know, this was the thing with Buddhism back in the day. How was it that the Zen Buddhists in Japan, who seemingly never met anyone from Tibet, uh, had come to the same ideas in deep meditation? But it occurs to me, Christopher, you and I were talking about bamboo. Isn't that really the ultimate example of the sky clock? Uh, very few people understand Here's the thing about bamboo that I don't think most people know. Typically, most bamboos, when they go to seed, they die. But here's, here's the kicker. Here's the sky clock connection. I could have a certain, I'll, I'll use this example because I know a story about it. There's a, a giant timber bamboo called Dendrocalamus asper, which we were talking about. Just so you know, dendro means tree-like. It's big. It's among the biggest bamboos in the world. Um, and it's timber quality bamboo, but it had come into this country and it was from India, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, but they were having a famine in India and a lot of people were dying and this bamboo had not seeded in known memory for most of the villagers and it went into seed. They were up to their knees in bamboo seed, which actually saved a lot of lives because the bamboo happened to seed and it was such giant bamboo and the, the volume of seed it dropped. But here's the thing, everywhere in this world, Dendrocalamus, for the most part, with very few exceptions, went to seed at that exact same time. And the die-off was worldwide and the next, genera next generation started. Um, and I know you know about the Guadua, which is pretty much a South American timber bamboo that people are building with now. It's a similar thing. Are, are you familiar with how bamboo seeds and it's tied to the sky clock? I, you know, it happens so rarely. Like the last time that happened around here, like the experts that I've leaned on with bamboo, because we were watching a bunch of our bamboo die. And on my farm, my, all my stands were uh, only like three or four years old at the time that all these more mature stands started to die. And we like the, one of the local experts was like, oh, this happens. This comes up from South America, the way they explained it, that this is a wave. All these will, will pass, but this gives space for the, for the young rhizomes to go ahead and, and take root and shoot. And so I've only experienced one wave of that uh, since I've been here in Costa Rica. So in the bamboo societies that were serious in the United States, which was started by basically PhDs, um, marking the periodicity of seeding was a big deal, how many years it had been, even going to other countries to get the records to find out when it seeds. But the main takeaway here is how is it that this species that was imported into Southern California, Lord knows, you know, 40, 50 years ago, is growing, is mature, and all of a sudden in India, everything seeds and dies. Same thing happens in Southern California. Um, I don't know if I would describe it as a wave for all bamboos. A lot of it I know is almost instantaneously correct in both places. Um, some of the dendrocalamus um, did differ a little bit, uh, but they're giant. But the other thing is people had figured out that when they see that first little flower come, 
You start mm-hmm. trimming and you start bombing it with nitrogen. Bamboo loves nitrogen. And sometimes you can stave off the seeding. But anyhow, I'll pull us back around. You were headed in a direction when I got off on a sky clock tangent. Well, I love this cl- sky clock because it actually really helps with understanding how the body works. I know with other guests, you've, you've talked about the chakra system and how that actually has uh, different uh, houses and um, constellations that are linked to the different chakras of the body. So when I'm working on somebody, if, if I work with them more than once, because um, sometimes when you meet somebody, you never know how many times you're going to work with them. But if we end up getting into a regular schedule, I will always ask them their birthday. And I started to do this pretty young, like pretty, you know, early in my career. And, and I didn't really know why I was doing it, but it, it was mainly because I was seeing like, wow, Pisces really have problems with their feet. Aquarians really have problems with their ankles. Uh, you know, Capricorns usually tend to have like a busted knee or, you know, some sort of arthritis in their knee. And you just work your way up as you work your way backward through the, through the Zodiac. And so when I came across the work of um, uh, Dr. Randolph Stone, who is the, the main polarity therapist, that uh, started polarity therapy in the United States, he was explaining that. And I, I just was like, I was floored that somebody else had actually seen that and actually had charted it. So um, it's, it's really remarkable. Like nobody can run from their birthday. <laughs> it's uh, y- your body has an imprint that it comes in with. And I think through epigenetics, you know, and through your willpower, you can have some say in, in how things present, but overall how we come in it is written in the stars. Are there reasons specifically for why those things would be per the individual sign? The way it's felt is it's almost like an occultation. So I I, kind of wanted to talk to you guys about this, what you think about my theory. But um, in all my time of watching the sky clock, like whenever there's a full full moon, I always found that whatever, you know, constellation or whatever house the full moon was, it actually occulted it. It'd be like if a policeman, you know, shined a, a bright light in your face at night, you can't really see. <laughs> so that's the way I kind of, that's the way the full moon felt to me. It always has felt like an adjutant. And that to me is sort of just my dosha because my dosha is um, to explain doshas. That that's the way, that's like the general way in which electricity wants to flow through your specific body and attunement, depending on where you are ge- geographically. And, um, so what I feel is in polarity therapy and in Ayurvedic medicine is whenever they're wanting to know somebody's birthday, that's sort of like the occultation of the sun in that specific house. So the sun is much brighter than the, than the moon, obviously, but like you can't ever see what's behind the sun because that power of the sun is informing your, your total consciousness when you're looking in that direction. So that's my feeling of why we have an occultation of that energy and whatever um, house the sun is when you're, when you're born. You know, it's funny you should mention that because I had a clip that was really popular where I took a movie called Michael where John Travolta was supposedly an angel. And I showed that what's actually going on is they're encoding the acceptable year of the Lord using an angel as an angle of the sun. And the the way that I cracked it is exactly what you're talking about. I knew the correspondence between Pisces and the feet, Capricorn and the knees, it goes on and on and on. Of course, Scorpio's the sexual organs. Um, You can make these correspondences. By the way, you need to know these correspondences if you're going to try to understand the Marseille tarot deck at all. Um, This stuff matters. And there's a color, there's a frequency, there's a pull. Everything is attached to everything. But the point I'm making is in the movie, um, when the first time they showed the angel, they have this bizarre shot where he's sleeping, standing up, but they show his bare feet and it hit me all at once. And I realized that they were encoding the sun in the station of Pisces. But anyhow. By the way, I, I've been geeking hard on all of your work with that. I, I loved your breakdown of Michael. 
I have a question for you though, when it comes to the ages, because I'm 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 kind of confused. Because <laughs> the way I read the sky clock is that we still have a couple hundred years in Pisces, and I'm wondering if I'm actually not looking at the right thing because it really does feel like we're in an age change, like you guys keep alluding to. But I don't know what exactly, other than like current events that you're looking at in the sky to actually demarcate the, the change of an age? Well, to be honest, we can't. Um, it's completely a confusing jumble at this point. Okay. And we've been told our whole lives that, oh, the age you're in is the sun behind us, you know, a constellation at the vernal equinox in March. Um, and if that's true, we'd have hundreds of years to go to get out of Pisces. Right. Um, but there's problem after problem. And there's a forum thread at crow777radio.com that, that speaks directly to this problem. It states in the forum title, we are not in the correct year of the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's provably true. And they go on to talk about days being thrown out. Call, you know, how can it be that the Coptic calendar, the first of the year is September 1, uh, when the Gregorian switch happened with Pope Gregory, I think he threw out I always remember 11 days. I don't know if that's right. Might be 22. I forget. I think it's 11. Um, but they just threw these days away. And so we're, we're in fact not even in the right calendar day in the acceptable year of the Lord. So if that is true, um, we can go back to the divisions of the constellations and the all-important issue. What is the sky clock marker that proves to you you're in an age? And everybody and their brother acts like they know something. I get more emails than I can tell you. I say, that sounds convincing. Now prove it. What I can say is the things that I've read that are from self-proclaimed masters like the light of Egypt, they're going to tell you things like 1881 or sometime close to that point. Um, talking to our friend Dylan, who we've done shows with, Dylan Sicoccio, um, I'm kind of leaning where he's been going because in the Bible, and this is a reference point that I think matters, so many of the things when they're talking about the Virgin, what's actually happening is Spica or Vindimatrix, two of the stars in that area, are just coming over the eastern horizon. And that is the moment that it gets mentioned in scripture. The reason I'm pointing this out is if you watch any religious movie, I don't care what movie, and you you watch it carefully, when Jesus is young and doing his business, they'll constantly show the sunrise in the east. When Jesus is getting ready to be crucified at the end of the movie, they'll constantly show the sun setting. The point here is the eastern rising star. Encoded in the Bible, we can prove it all day long. Um, all the temples, you know, Solomonic knockoffs from masonry or anything else, or even the churches, they're pointing to the Eastern star, uh, most of them. So what Dylan says is it's the Eastern ascendant constellation, I think he says an hour before dawn. And that kind of fits with a lot in the Bible. So he makes the claim that we're, I don't know, something like five, maybe 600 years in. In other words, we would only have another hundred years of the first decan of Aquarius, if that's correct. And the reason it's intriguing is because it does answer so many problems. And lastly, before I hand it back to you, can anyone possibly imagine a bigger change in our world that you could say, yep, this is what an age change looks like? I mean, think about what's just happened to us and how quickly it came on. Right. And so then, then the question becomes, okay, was it artificial or is there something to this? But to make a long-winded response, I can't prove a damn thing. No, but I mean, that makes a lot of sense because there are so many systems that I have found decently effective with describing the energetics of a person or what they're going through psychologically. But I don't, I don't, I can't say for certain if I'm just doing the, uh, the whole uh, pattern awareness fallacy, <laughs> like because I'm aware of it, then it becomes that, right? So I've been trying to find something objective outside of myself in the, in the realm of the sky clock where I can actually say, okay, I know for certain this is that. And I was just, I'm, when it comes to an age change, like the current events point to that that's actually happening. But <laughs> In the sky, with the way I've been taught how to look at it, I, I haven't seen it. So Tropical or, or sidereal, how are you looking at it? 
I look at sidereally. I was actually taught in a form of sidereal called Celestics by mm. John Lamb Lash. Yep. And so, you know, we learned to like look up at the sky with Astrolabs and uh, what was the other little device that we used. Um, essentially, I would just wake up at 3.30 in the morning and go outside and, and, and just watch the sky and measure and just really, you know, see what was, what was there with the naked eye. And I really liked that system because it, when it came to actually looking, I, I would work on some, I'd work on, and this ties back to the polarity therapy. Somebody would tell me that they're a Taurus and I'd be like, huh, it's kind of odd because you're actually not presenting as a Taurus. You're actually presenting more as a Gemini. And this happened probably, I'd say with about 25% of the people that I worked with. And then I started to doubt that the system that I was using was correct until I got into sidereal astrology, until I got into celestics, because the majority of what people are going off of is tropical and they're, you know, they're just going off what's in the Sunday horoscope. But to be fair, that's where we get our definitions. Sidereal people don't have a definition to use without the tropical carryover, do they? Like, what is a Pisces? What does it mean? True, true. So you have like, you're looking through the Western lens at an Eastern thought, <laughs> which gets a little bit... In a way. Yeah, in a way. Which gets a little confusing. But what cleaned all that up for me was the Celestics, doing the real sky astrology, where I would uh, take the um, Stellarium, the, the program Stellarium, and I wouldn't look at any ephemeri on, online. Like I wouldn't look at astro.com or anything like that. I would just go to Stellarium and put in a person's, you know, birthday and it would be, a, it would be in a completely different constellation. And then, um, like what you bring up all the time, like Aquarius is huge in the sky and Scorpio is really small. So I started asking these questions like, you know, how can you have, um, how can you have even uh, demarcations in the sky for, for the houses and the constellations when obviously to the eye, they're not that. Right. There's the provable problem and, and people like to, to act. The, the problem is this. We write a circle. We inscribe it 30 degrees by 30 degrees, depending on whether we're doing constellations, houses or something. And we can look up in the sky and it's nowhere near that. We've no. got signs like the scales of Libra, which are clearly jammed in for our time. They're tiny little things. Not only that, they've co-opted the two claw stars of the scorpion. But you see, this is what I've done. If I can't make heads or tails of a thing, I always go back to as basic as I can be. What do I have control of? What can I get access to? So what I do is I do things like, okay, all these Christian mystics, the light of Egypt, all these other people who claim they have mastership at some level, some of them even a level of enlightenment, are telling me we went in at the end of the 1800s. So what do we know uh, about the Piscean Age? It's water ideas. And this is what Dylan was talking about, KV. That's all admiralty, water-based, shipping, commerce, law. But what else could I say about that? Well, doesn't it make sense that if we were in a water age, that we would have to master water technologies to the utmost before we went on? And I think we did that, right? We did the steam engine, the train. And then when did the wireless come along? Well, it's almost in lockstep with what some of these folks are saying. Wouldn't wireless be an air idea? Wouldn't the fact that all of us are carrying cell phones be an air idea? And it goes on and on and on. But the main thing that's got my attention recently is the Christian mystics, which I've been telling everyone to read, Carrie, the Antichrist by Carrie. He's pointing out that you don't even know how the body is built. Uh, they decode why the spider has been encoded in so many things. Nobody knows, apparently, um, how a spider even makes its web. It grabs the ether, as they describe it, or the air, and it does this magical mixture, and the next thing it's holding a silk thread. Um, that is why the spider is encoded regardless of what science wants to say is creating that. But what he also says is you have no freaking clue how the human body is built. You think you eat a carrot or a hamburger and that hamburger or carrot makes your blood, bone, flesh, muscle. That's not the way it works, according to them. The way it works, according to them, is your body extracts the 12 cell salts, which we all know are locked to the sky clock, and that goes into your bloodstream. Then when you inhale an air idea, that oxygen or that air you've inhaled combines with the cell salts, then that is what creates the bone blood. That's 
That's what they're laying down. So the things that we can know, to me, point to this has to be an air age. It's not just the jackasses in charge making a new beer called air or an earphone becoming an airbud. That's part of it. But those are contrivances. What can we get at that's not a contrivance? So for me, um, the contrivances matter because they're an example. But the non-contrivances, those mean something to me. And I think, I think I'm going to operate as if we're in an air age, just to, to put a fine point on it. That makes sense to me, especially in working on the body. So like if I have somebody that is a primarily what's called a vata in Ayurvedic medicine, is they're ruled by air. Their body, even if it weighed, let's say, 200 pounds, would feel light to me. Like the, the actual density of the body doesn't feel like it's 200 pounds, even if they were standing on a, on a scale that said they were 200 pounds. So I understand what you're saying. It's the elemental energy is kind of pushed forth, even if somebody doesn't have the sensitivity to see it in, in the gross form. Right. And you know, you're making a good point here because a lot of what you're laying down is the intuition of it. In other words, you can know some things, but you can't express them to the guy standing next to you or the woman standing next to you. Um, It's experiential. And I have this all the time. That is a firm meaning to me. But if I want to try to tell the dude standing next to me, now I got a problem because then it just becomes hearsay. Right. And that's how, that's how the gut reaction or the intuitive reaction gets defamed. But think about this idea. Is it possible that there are people in the world who have known about the change all along? In other words, this is fake like the the papers we always joke about in the Vatican basement are there, the real records. And they were well aware that we were coming into the age change. I think it's proven alone by the Gregorian calendar shift, by the way. But to come up to the point, are we all carrying cell phones for the simple reason that they knew we were going to be talking mind to mind in an age of air? Um, And so is this a retarding device that has been intentionally developed and introduced into society to slow down my ability to say hello to some dude in Hong Kong sitting in my living room. I'm just saying. I completely think so. I mean, the, the, amongst my peers, like the level of synchronicity and the level of uh, intuitive knowing has really been catapulted these last few years. Yes. Provably. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think it's literally, you know, the, the smoke and mirrors thing with the technology we're given, like, you know, attention, how does the saying goes, uh, energy goes where your attention flows type thing. So they kill us with convenience. So you have a cell phone and you're doing all this stuff, you know, breaking your neck with your head down <laughs> when if you really wanted to, you could vector in anybody you wanted to just through your mind's eye. That's right. It's coming. And you make such a valid point because science is poo-pooing of what we just said would be, you idiots, it's the information age. That's why everyone seems like they've got raised conscious. They just know more because they got so much information. Well, I'm here to tell you that's provable BS, first of all. Early in the days of YouTube, there was a free information exchange. That didn't last even 10 years. It did not even last seven years before the censorship and the problems to where we are now where the idea that somehow there's open access to information is laughable. What you get is what Wikipedia wants to tell you. Right. And the people editing Wikipedia have no authority to be claiming gospel on anything. And so we're back around to having to go to things we can know. And here's the example I always use. How many folks know a young person who came through the birth canal around the year 2000, maybe the end of the 90s, and the abilities of that young life are astoundingly beyond what their parents could have ever achieved, whether it be musical or speaking languages or artistic, just clearly the abilities just jacked to a level way beyond what either of the parents could have achieved had they even tried in a lifetime. And for me and my own family, all three of my nephews fit that bill and so many of their friends. Um, And what did they do about that? They introduced video games, right? So they took all this lifting, talented energy of a new young life, and they channeled it into a thing that absolutely has zero value or meaning and is addictive, by the way. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Ruins, actually, their sensibility. I I completely see it. I mean, I I live in in an area where we've 
seen a ton of kids, you know, home birth and not really touched by the, the bureaucratic engine. And all of them are gifted. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. And I look at these little ones. I'm like, I think at that age, all I could do was like drool. <laughs> but they're all so active and smart and aware. It's, it's really brilliant to watch. Well, you can see in the onslaught and, and, you know, though I don't have children and I'm 3000 miles away from my young nephews now, um, I'll use my dog as my example. I decided my dog's not a pin cushion here in this state. They want to make it a law that they can administer my property and force a rabies shot, which my dog doesn't have, um, doesn't have any shots. Well, it came to the point where we actually lost dogs in the seventies to a thing called heartworm. But you see, heartworm can be, if a dog gets the heartworm now, however that happens, they can be saved. So my dog is not only not inoculated by the 13 or 14 shots they wanted to give him, he's not on flea poison, he's not on tick poison. Every day, I go over him, simple. So far, I've pulled three ticks, none none of them even embedded in him yet. Um, If he's starting to get a few fleas, he gets a bath. Why, why have I been pouring poison into a, clearly an animal? If I'd released him in the wild, he could live. So how is it that living in my home, he needs all these poisons? But here's the rub. There is no vet in town that will let him through the doors now because he's not inoculated with the rabies shot. I mean, I think humans overall are going to be like that. <laughs> you won't be admitted if you don't, if you don't get the jab. I think that's the, I think that's the, the turn of the, of the age. Well, you, you nailed it, Christopher. They're killing us with convenience. That is the thing, isn't it? Yes. Services and commerce. Exactly. Do you want all this convenience? Then hand us a little bit of your humanity, okay? Right. And a little bit of your freedom and a little bit of your self-guidance. <laughs> you just keep handing us pieces of that and we'll give you the most convenient crap you ever wanted. And I've already made up my mind. I don't care if I never get on another airplane. I could care less. Um, I've realized this life is for something else. Um, matter of fact, if I don't, if there's a time when I can't walk into a grocery store, I've already come to grips with that. But most people are still acting like they're going to have it both ways. Um, because clearly this is a Burger King, right? Right. So like with that, like I'm still intrigued about this age time. Let's say we're in Aquarius and like, you know, we have the, the woman bearing water and giving us extra water. I wonder if that's like part of the reason why we have this like global dimming thing. Cause I remember about like 20 years ago, NASA was flat out saying the best place for their, for, the best place to store water was in the sky. And that was like their way of like kind of telling us about the geoengineering. They're like, if you want to store water, we can, you know, change the, the condensation nuclei and like we can make clouds and we can move clouds wherever we want them. And then, you know, that conveniently goes away when uh, people start pointing out the chemtrail stuff. But, like, we have this age of air that's ruled by the element of air, I should say. But the, the actual symbolism of it is we have the maiden providing us water. How do you actually see that, like, in this age? How do you see that playing out? Specifically around the idea of the water housed within the archetypal symbol? Yeah, because we have, like, it's an air sign. Like, we're told it's an air sign. Oh, I, I, I get what you're asking. So this is, this is the way I accept it. So back in the day, whenever that day may have been, that the tropical people inherited the meaning of what does a sign mean, what part of the body that, that came to us through tropical in the West mostly. Without that, we have very little, or we have to go learn a different system in Ayurvedic or something. Um, the idea was, is that, the time of year marked by the sky clock in Aquarius was the rain season was starting. Right. And that was always why the man holding the, the jug, the sun in the sign of man, hint, 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 was holding the jug, if that's what you're asking. That's why the water is there in the air sign. Right. But the water is coming from the air, right? He's, exactly. pour, he's pouring that water down into the mouth of the, fi- of the southern fish in the actual constellation. The southern fish of Pisces has his mouth open and the sun in the sign of man is pouring his jug of water into the mouth of the southern fish in, in the archetypal sky clock representation. It's kind of cool. Like the way I'm looking at that, if we're going to pull that into physical manifestation, it, it's almost like we have like 
the areas that I've lived in the last 10, 10 to 15 years, they've had record precipitation, <laughs> it, like record precipitation. So I'm really wondering if that, you know, everybody seems to be talking about, at least in the circles that I'm in, like what's happening in the sky with like all this extra water that we're experiencing. So I'm wondering if it has any, any link to that at all. Well, it's a good point you're making with the chemtrails. Um, that quickly became one of the most censored things. Matter of fact, two weeks ago, the last video deleted from my YouTube channel was about chemtrails. And I've still got videos up about false flags, which is the other thing that drives them berserk. Right. But the one of the videos they pulled before that was simply titled Chemtrails and a Side of Turkey because I was shooting a family of turkeys in my yard as I was filming chemtrails. Um, so... The point I would make is they're up there in the air, another air idea. In the archetypal sign, there's water and people get confused. They think it's a water sign, but that water is coming from the air because it's symbolizing the rain of the season in the month that is represented by Aquarius in our current reckoning. But the point I would make is, yeah, there's another underscoring thing. How is it that we could be in a water age if planes are flying in the air and doing all this stuff with air? Right. So this brings me to the whole dosha idea in the body. So normally when I'm working on somebody, somebody is a combination of the, the four primary. In, in Ayurvedic medicine, they say you're, you're comprised of fire, which is like a rajasic transformative energy. You're composed of water, which is the, the flowy, finds its own level energy, uh, the emotional energy. And then you're also composed of the air. And a lot of times they'll combine water with earth. So they'll say if somebody, if somebody's tamasic, meaning that they, they don't move much, they're they're comprised of the earth energy. So you're always a combination of all the elemental energies, but you always have one that dominates, that dominates that time. And it would make sense to me if we were in the age of Aquarius, because as as I understand it, the that that sign is ruled by air but it presents water <laughs> so that that would be a vata that would be a vata kappa constitution if if i was to examine a body i'd, I'd say oh you're obviously aquarius <laughs> if if they presented a lot of this water you know a feeling of uh, fluidity along with a, a feeling of levity like their body actually felt lighter well, here's, here's two modern examples. One is shown in the hippie culture. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The moment that happens, knowing what we know now, we have to doubt that there's any validity to it. But we have to also recognize that maybe this is happening and this is diversion tactics. So we had Athen Comenti on to break down the words from the song where he basically said every single thing they describe about a house, a planet, or anything else is the opposite of what it means. So it's clearly a diversionary tactic. Now come up to the modern biggest entertainment of the world. That was the Marvel movies. Let's go to the one, I don't know the names, the one where I think it's the last one, the end of the world, the end of the war, the end war one. They By this time, Thor is a drunken buffoon. He's no longer the god of anything. He's a drunken buffoon. And he gets up to talk about the stones. And he, this is the encode. This is the double reverse. He tells them, nobody's listening to Thor anymore because he's a drunken idiot. Um, he says, you guys, this is not a stone. The reality stone, the, get, get this. The red reality stone is not a stone. It's this liquid stuff. It's the ether, right? Um, and so they're still playing the game all the way up into these biggest epic movies. And the other problem with that movie is there's supposed to be six stones, right? Mm -hmm. uh, count them. Count them in these scenes when they go by and see the sleight of hand that they're doing as they do it, but zero in on the so-called reality stone, because what they do is they treat it as if there is no solid definition of reality. Um, it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. By the way, it's missing altogether, and we're all going to get stones, but this dude's going with a hypodermic needle so he can suck the stone out of somebody. Oh, by the way, it's not a stone. Um, this is the same thing. And that these are more reasons I would point trying to cover the age that we exist in from modern entertainment. So in that, like I'm, <laughs> I have to admit in watching, 
I've always tried to root myself in physical reality, like the actual objective, objective reality is physical reality to me. <laughs> but I'm having a, a couple of issues with that in the sense that um, there are certain things with geography that I swear is different now than it was when I was younger. <laughs> And there's like, I'm watching like the, the actual patterns that I had based my planting and all these other things off of when it comes to weather, I'm watching all of this change. And then like, I really wonder if there, if this whole physical existence has a level of malleability to it that, that I, I didn't really recognize was there at one point. I'm with you. I'm with you all day long. Um, and that's part of the problem with the argument. Why in the hell doesn't the sky clock, sky clock have actual clean 30 degree divisions? If you look at nature and you understand the idea of the four philosophic principles or elements, air, water, fire, la, da, da, da. If you understand those things, there's no clean division. There's an ebb. There's a flow. Um, it's not black and white. And what we're doing with the sky clock, possibly, I don't know, is we're trying to make that clean human division we want. This needs to be 30, that needs to be 30. Well, maybe it's possible that nature doesn't see the sky clock in that way. The possibilities are endless, and the knowing we have to get back to is immense. But in that, we need to come together, you know, just to make the point, sidereal people do not need to bag on tropical or vice versa. Everybody needs everybody in this. Um, but I got to zero in on one of your bullet points here. I've been looking at it since we started talking. You got a bullet point here that says bugs congregate in the angles of sorrow. I got to hear about this. Yeah. So Costa Rica is known as like one of the most biodiverse places in the world. And that's where I've been living since 2007. And um, I was very lucky because I had a super practical host when I first moved here <laughs> And uh, I was doing all these different types of buildings. Her husband was a contractor. And I always noticed like the way that she would look at things was totally different. She always looked at things of like how much it would take to maintain it. Because we have, we have so many bugs here that if, if you had a building that had lots of vertices, you would invariably have all the different types of um, spiders and all different types of bugs would always make their way into that house. And so it was always fun to listen to her because she would be like, oh, that, that, that house is going to be a terror to maintain. Or she'd look at something that I would think was really simple and not all that wonderful. And she'd be like, oh, that, that's a good house to live in. And it was all around her, you know, bug mitigation. <laughs> so I ended up getting into building domes and um, I built the first domes I built were earthen domes. So like the inside finish of the domes were like a burnished, uh, we call it lime, but it's a calcium finish. So it's completely smooth and there was zero vertices in the dome. And I remember when the first time she walked in, she was like, huh, I'd live here. There's no vertices. <laughs> or she didn't say there's no vertices. She said there's no bugs. And I was like, ah, and it was right. And uh, I started to look through all the literature of people that built round homes. And it was a common occurrence that people noticed that there were one, there was a much more fresh feeling in buildings that had a curve, had curves in it. Another two thing was there was just a lot less, uh, a lot less spiders, a lot less um, areas for the bugs to go. And then I got into, um, I have a couple of friends that are feng shui experts in uh, Vastu, uh, not Vastu, um, I forget the other name for it. It's a, it's a similar school to feng shui, but they were talking about the, the flow and the energetics of how you place your doors relative to your windows and the directions of certain things. And then you actually, uh, depending on who you're building for, you find out what their astrology is and you kind of, you know, use the building as a clock for their, you know, for their sun sign. And uh, it was very interesting that they talked about, at least in, in the Eastern, in, in the Japanese way of thinking of things, they've known this forever, that if you have flow, flow problems, you'll have a congregation of mold and bugs. And so, um, it's really neat too, is that I actually got into in when building domes, I got into building domes because I wanted to build really large egg water tanks. Cause I was a, 
I was a big fan of Victor Schauberger. I should say I, I am a big fan of Victor Schauberger. And he was talking about when you put a uh, when you put water, when you store water in a double dome, which is just an egg, it's a it's a lancet arch it, uh, dome combined with a hemispherical dome. When you put water in that, one, it takes one fortieth the energy to move the water while it's in there because there's no vertices for for the for the water to stop on. And here we live like out in the backwoods. So a lot of us have to deal with making our own water tanks and making, you know, essentially doing all the things that, um, you know, the municipal people do up north. And it was awesome because as I was reading all this and studying domes and all this, we had to actually replace our little town's water tank. And what did I see when we went in this big box of concrete? In in the in the four main corners where the water would stand still, that's where you had all the gross uh, uh, algae. That's where you had all the, the all the things that you don't want in your water was only in the corners. We need to tell folks why so they can catch up. They're they're probably sitting there. A lot of folks who haven't been here the whole time are saying, "What is an angle of sorrow? What makes it sorrowful?" Uh, angle of sorrow is where you have. Uh, usually two 90 degree angles making contact with each other. So it's a corner of a box. So if, if you're to see a cube in your mind's eye, there's eight angles of sorrow. There's eight edges that are comprised of two 90 degree angles. And what it does is it creates a whole stop of the energy. So the way you could think of it is if you wanted, if you had a hose and you wanted to spiral the water in a box, it, you would get this turbulence in those areas in the corner where you're where you're spraying the water. Where if you just had a bucket that was a cylinder and you tried to spiral the water in a in a bucket, then the water would spin freely and would actually accelerate to the point where you would get like a little vortice in the middle of of the um, of the bucket. But if you're doing that inside of a box, it would take, you know, an immense amount more energy to get that spiral to happen and it would cancel itself out very quickly. And, and some of it wouldn't spiral. Actually, let, let me let me jump in there. Think of a hose where you've taken it and bent it into an L shape. All right. Think of the water flow, what's happened. But here's a better way to represent it in your mind. If, if you took a corner of a box and you shot energy down both walls towards the corner when the energy gets there it crashes it does not flow inversely if you took a y shape which is not a 90 degree angle and you shot energy down both the y's it would converge at the stem and continue on um so there's two shots but um i i had not thought what you laid down there is more proof of the truth and, and i'll add this have you ever seen this, this relates to exactly the bug thing you were saying that used to be known by the old world until we got cans of raid and forgot how to be anything but idiots. Um, in the old mosques, these beautiful mosques, there's these ostrich eggs hanging like 10, 15, 20 feet up in the air. Um, and I always wondered, what are those beautifully decorated ostrich eggs doing up there? Well, I finally found out, but here's, here's the rub saw a show on tv in one of these mosques and the guy asked the exact same question and they said it's an ornamentation to please god they had even the people maintaining the mosque no longer knew what the ostrich eggs for the ostrich eggs is to keep the spiders from congregating because spiders hate ostrich eggs um but here's another thing that backs up exactly what you're saying everybody listening when you get done with this go look up gaudi the architect gaudi G-O-U-D-Y, I think. Look at what that man built and you try to tell me that it, you aren't instantly sucked in, drawn in. There's not an angle of sorrow to be seen in any, well, mostly any of the Gaudi work. But anyhow, so you were, you were into the, to the real life proofs of the angle of sorrow. And by the way, it's, it's interesting to me. I had never really considered that spiders do in fact go for the corners. Yeah eight-legged things and of course the six-legged things on the floor yeah it's amazing they it, it it's a it's a flow thing so everything in my life like I, I do a lot of different things but it's all about flow 
So like whether I'm building a building, whether I'm building a dome or whether I'm massaging somebody or whether it's, you know, dealing with water, um, water systems, it's all moving, moving something from one place to another place and mimicking nature while we do it. And, and nature always moves things in, in a curve. So like I, um, and also it, it does the same thing in the body. Like a lot of the meridians and things like that, when people think of things, they tend to think in, in straight lines. They actually, depending on the timing of the day and the person, like the meridians bend, like they're, they're like bands. And so nature abhors straight lines. Like it doesn't exist. There's always some sort of curve or some sort of, of, of movement and, for whatever reason, I've been, I've been trying to optimize those movements in, in building. I have actually built spiral buildings. Like I, I build these roofs called reciprocal roofs. Like my company is kind of, a, is, has a brought that to this area and it's a spiral. It's like, if you, if you were to imagine a TP is up at like around 72 degrees, if you were to collapse that TP down to like 15 degrees, that's a reciprocal roof. So you have a spiral, a flattened spiral, and you always end up with an opening in the middle. And then you end up like with this beautiful flower pattern as you go out to, towards the edges. And it's amazing. Like everybody freaks out when they go into one of those buildings, especially if it's empty, because the direction in which the spiral flows actually will determine how you feel. How do you determine clockwise or counterclockwise? How do you determine that? Usually with my clients. <laughs> so if I'm going to do like a, I built a really large one for a local music festival. It was a 50 foot diameter yoga shala. And uh, the, the lead instructor, she was a very strong female and she wanted, she wanted to impose a yin energy. So we had it flowing. Um, we had it flowing counterclockwise. So if you were to look up at it and the way you determine that is like, so if you could imagine the cone, the cone is pointing in a direction, right? Whatever direction the cone is actually pointing is the flow of energy. So we made sure that that was going counterclockwise to build the yin energy, to concentrate the yin energy. Which would be female and negative in polarity if I'm following. Exactly, exactly. And then um, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for defining. I, sometimes I forget uh, to define everything. Maybe it could be blue as well, but go ahead. We do that backwards here. Boys are blue when they're babies. That's backwards. Go ahead. And then um, I've actually just finished a uh, private home and uh, the gentleman wanted uh, the Yang energy because his property is on, it's a river property. So there's so much water and there's so much yin energy already on the property that uh, we wanted to anchor the male energy. So the, it's, the, the spiral is, is clockwise, and we also put the, the building up on stilts. Wow. It was to actually give more of the, the yang energy to, to the actual farm itself, because we had built other reciprocal roofs on that property that were fully grounded out, you know, nothing stilted. And they were going counterclockwise. And it was like, man, <laughs> there's so much yin on this property. Like we, we, we should reverse the polarity of your house. And we did it. And it, it actually, it does have a completely different feeling than the other structures we built. There, I, th I think it's undeniable. And Christopher, we've got to get ready to wrap up here. But people, people need to get back to the ideas because the older cultures knew. Those cultures not too, too long ago that knew to put an ostrich egg in a mosque to deal with spiders. Even to this day, some of the caretakers of these beautifully old moths have no idea why that thing is there. How can it be? To bring it up to where we are, we're all indoctrinated in verse, flipped, inverted. And the example I was about to point out, as we're closing up here, I will point it out. In this country, when a baby boy is born, he's baby blue, the color baby blue. Think in your mind, how is the color baby blue made? Little girls are pink. How is the color pink made? Think in your mind. Those, those two things are backwards. The boy should be red because it's masculine, 
and positive and polarity. And the pink is simply because white has been added, which is a divinity idea or a purity idea. So they took pure red and they added white to it, which means it's masculine, positive and polarity on this plane, and then washed out towards the divine or the pure with the white. The whiter it becomes, the more so this is true until you get to pure white. Back on the other side, everyone should know that blue is feminine and negative in polarity. Any flower you see, well, that's what you're looking at. Um, and so that baby blue was made in the same way. They took a blue, which is feminine, negative polarity, and they added white to it, which pulled it towards pure to see those little angels, the babies, little angels, we call them babies. Look, look how part of it matches correctly, but the identifying colors have been inverted, like so many of the things in our world. And this is how we get back. But Christopher, do you have actual services that would benefit someone in other parts of the world than you? If I think you're, you're down in South America, do you have contact or services that you offer the world? Yes, I'm, I'm in Costa Rica right now. Uh, right now, I have, a, I have two companies. We make biochar, which is activated carbon. Oh, wow. Pyrolyzed carbon. And then we also build buildings. And then my other business has been my long life business of being a masseuse. And so usually people reach me through uh, biocharisma. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a play on biocharisma um, on Instagram. That's the main way people reach me. All right. So I know that you're a member. We'll email you on the day this goes live and we'd appreciate it if you'd put your links in. Uh, what is your username so people will recognize you if they have questions? You know, I forget. I'm, I might be Topher. Like everybody down here, um, my nickname's Topher. Uh, it might be Christopher. I actually don't remember what I, I've been a I've been a subscriber to you so long. I don't really check. Let me don't worry about it. It'll be self-evident when you lay your links in. Um, I'd appreciate links to the biochar or anything else you want to include. Jason, we're about there. Anything you want to get into the first hour? Well, we don't have time for it, but I would like to hear about the biochar and what sort of things you found uh, goodness in there. Oh, I can't wait. That, that'll be awesome to talk about. All right, that's hour one. Please join us for hour two at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And by the way, in closing, I had removed the download button from the free area, the free first hour of the website because of malicious activity trying to jack up bandwidth. I think I'm going to add that button back because we've got some solutions and we will be able to ban permanently IPs or ranges of IPs if people abuse it. So just so you know, uh, by the time this goes live, if you refresh, that button should be back. Anyhow, join us at crow777radio.com for hour two. We're going to get into all kinds of ideas as we did in hour one. And these are ideas that are important. They're so important. We can't break away from our inverted service-based commerce world unless we return to the garden, to nature, to perfection where there is no lie. And that's underneath everything we're talking about. There it is, man. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.